have a timeout. Decide not to use it. Curry, way downtown. Bang! Bang! Oh, what a shot from Curry! What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Panelist.pod. Sean Ramachandran here with you, joined by Rohan Naranjan and Yash Joshi on yet another NBA podcast. Today, we're recapping some of these game twos that have already taken place and other series kind of change up our predictions or keep it the same. We're going to start off with the Miami Heat and the Milwaukee Bucks. And I want to get going with Rohan over here because he's been like, he, he says the Miami Heat are a bubble. What a bubble, what? Bubble frauds, bubble frauds, bubble frauds, bubble yes. frauds. Okay, so how about how about you kick us off for here? Tell me what you think about the series and yeah, Sham. Um, you know, as we know, the Heat made the finals last year in the bubble as a five seed. Um, but this year the series is looking pretty much the opposite so far. Uh, Giannis and the Bucks have pretty much handled business. Drew Holiday, I think, is the key factor in the series. He's kind of giving them um, a big jump compared to how it was with Eric Bledsoe last year. I think just defensively and um, offensively for, uh, you know, he has a better shot. He created, he has less turnovers. He's a better playmaker. So I think that's really the difference in the series right now. And I, my prediction right now is that Bucks in five um, and the Heat just haven't played well. So we have to see if they can turn around, but I think Bucks should be able to handle business after seeing, after seeing these first two games, I think they should be able to handle business for sure. I love that term bubble of frauds because I think that kind of applies to some of the teams from the bubble last year. I'm not sure if it yep. applies to the Heat yet. I, I, I may go there if like the Bucks win in four, maybe five. But I think that the Bucks did what they were supposed to. They took care of home court advantage. Like the Heat haven't done anything insanely bad. Like they lost the first game in overtime in with the Chris Middleton game winner. Yeah, game two was kind of a blow up because Giannis did his thing. Uh, Drew Holiday did his thing. And the Heat just kind of didn't show up that game. But I think with the series going back to Miami, the Heat have a chance to kind of regain some form of momentum. And game three, to me at least, is a must win for the Heat if they want to take this series to at least six games. If they lose game three, I think the Bucks finish it in five. If not, I think the Bucks will finish it in six. Yeah, my original thought process was Milwaukee in six. Um, I'm, I'm a huge Jimmy Butler fan. I think that his mentality when, you know, the playoffs come around, he, he's just a different animal. Clearly, he is a different animal, but not, <laughs> not the one that we want to see. I think, like, the first game he was four of 22. I don't even know what happened in the second game, but I think the biggest part about that second game that stood out to me was the Bucks outscoring them 46 to 20 in the first quarter. And I understand that you guys are saying, you know, Chris Middleton, um, Drew Holiday, of course. But to me, Brian Forbes, you know, this guy from Beyond the Arc was hey, just hey, lighting. Hey. Wait, wait, let's put some respect on his name. His name is Bryn Forbes. Bryn, oh, my bad. Bryn Forbes. I'm so sorry about that. I'm so sorry. My bad. But, but ultimately, though, Milwaukee, like, my prediction was Bucks and six, but yeah, I think I agree with you, Yash. I think it's going to be the common consensus that we're choosing Milwaukee. I think we all are giving Miami the benefit of the doubt of one game and that the Bucks should finish it in five, but another dominant series where an East team's up 2-0 right now, the Nets and the Celtics. I think the Nets are also going to get this done in five. I like Jason Tatum to have that one crazy game where we're like, yeah, this is Tatum. This is what he does. He can win a game. But what do you guys think? Sean, I agree. I think it's going to be a gentleman's sweep. Celtics and uh, sorry, 
Nets in five, excuse me. Um, but as we saw in game two, it was just a complete another domination demolition by the Nets. Um, Tatum went out earlier in the game. I, I think he got some eye injury. I saw that he got poked in the eye and just didn't return. But the team just wasn't playing well. I, I just don't think that they have enough firepower to compete with this big three that we've known for months now is going to be the favorites to win the finals. And I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm with you too. I'm gonna give Jason Tatum and the Celtics one game. Just I think they have enough fight in them. A Brad Stevens coach team isn't gonna go in a sweep. So I'm gonna do Nets in five, but this isn't gonna be close. I think I'm with you. I'm with both of you there that Jason Tatum's gonna have a big game, probably in game three, game four, sometime. But I still think the Nets are gonna win it. Like Jason Tatum dropping fifty still may not be enough for the Celtics to win against the Nets, just because. Jason Tatum drops 50 doesn't mean that Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie can't drop 90 combined points. Like the Celtics, as good as they are with Jason Tatum, they have kind of no one beyond that who is reliable enough on a consistent basis. Yes, I know Kemba Walker is like the old all-star that we used to know in Charlotte, but like he's just not an all-star caliber player anymore. And I can't rely on him in the playoffs. Not sure who... On the rest of that lineup, like Preyton Pritchard, Marcus Smart, like no one on that lineup scares me. Maybe Evan Fournier drops 20 and Jason Tatum drops 50. The Nets have a bad night and maybe they take a game. But I'm leaning towards the Nets in four. I think this will be one of the few sweeps in the first round. Yeah, no. The, mm-hmm. How do you guys think the Nets are doing so far? Like we know that T- uh, Harden, uh, Katie, and Kyrie have only played, what, eight, nine games together in the regular season. Is this just that warm-up series for them going forward? Um, absolutely. No, absolutely, absolutely. That was just what I was coming to. Like, you know, Yash had a great point about, you know, just because Tatum drops 50, you know, God say 60 points, he just has an amazing, amazing game. That doesn't mean that, you know, Harden, Kyrie, KD will still not take care of business. And what I was just coming to say was that it is really, really bad the look on Boston's defense or just a testament to say how good the Nets are when Joe Harris gets going. Like if Joe Harris gets going, like that's when, you know, the Nets are a problem. I don't, I don't want to say Boston's defense is bad because Joe Harris shot 59% from wing threes this season. Joe Harris is a shooter. We all know that. And then playing with the big three that the Nets have, it just gives him more space. So I'm not going to say that, the Celtics defense is so bad that Joe Harris got going, but I will say that no matter how good the Celtics defense is, you can't contain KD, Kyrie Harden, and then Joe Harris, Blake Griffin, and the rest of the Nets roster for an entire seven or, you know, four game series, however long this is going to be. Definitely. Fair. But speaking of star power and containing people, like, what do you think about the Wizards and the Sixers? You know, there's there is a Russ that exists. There is a Bradley Beal that exists in Washington. But then again, in Philly, there is a Ben Simmons that exists. There's a Joel Embiid that exists. You know, the list goes on for the star power in this series. But the Sixers are off to a 1-0 lead. Game two is going to be today. What do you guys think? Is Philly for real this time with Doc Rivers at head coach? Sean, I think... They are for real this time. Um, we know they've had their playoff struggles in years before, just couldn't get over that hump. But this year, um, Embiid and Simmons are just on a whole other level. Obviously, as we know, Embiid is MVP candidate. Simmons is a defensive player of the year candidate. Um, and I think just with the added three-point shooting with Danny Green and Seth Curry, 
and having Doc Rivers as a coach has just kind of elevated them to that next level. Um, they didn't play a, a particularly great game, game one, especially until the fourth, I would say, especially Embiid didn't have his best game uh, going forward. But I think that that was just kind of a fluke game for the Sixers, even though that they want, I think they should be able to dominate more. I still believe in Russ and Bradley be able to, being able to take a game or two off earlier. I was thinking that they, maybe they could go to six, but kind of looking more into it and how they played um, before, I feel like Sixers should be able to handle this in five, another gentleman, gentleman sweep. I want to give Bradley Beal and Russ the benefit of the doubt just because we know Russell Westbrook has that playoff experience. Bradley Beal is a 30 points per game scorer. But all that being said, I just think the Sixers defense is just too good. They have Ben Simmons, they have Joel Embiid, they have Matisse Thybul. And on the offensive side, again, they have Ben Simmons, they have Joel Embiid, they have Tobias Harris, they have Seth Curry. Like Their roster is just stacked offensively and defensively. And I just think that the Wizards, no matter how good Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal play together, they just don't have the firepower to match up with the Sixers, at least right now, nor nor do they have the length to match up with the Sixers. So I just think that it's probably going to be a sweep. I want to give them the benefit of the doubt and say Sixers and five, but my heart's leaning towards Sixers and four. Wow, another sweep for you. You're saying, I mean, the Nets looks pretty convincing as a sweep, but wow, the Sixers, interesting. I'm I'm going to stick with like my original you know, prediction. You know, they're number one seed. They should be able to handle business quick. So I'm just sticking with the Sixers at, at five. Um, and you know, again, I think that, you know, Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook, they do have what it takes to get that one game away, but I think also when it comes to Philly, you know, you guys mentioned Embiid, you guys mentioned Ben Simmons, um, but Tobias Harris was, you know, the key in game one, he went off for playoff career high 37 points. Um, so I think that this Philly team is going to cause problems down the stretch. You could, I guess, say that, you know, for Milwaukee, for the Nets, um, for Philly, these are all seem like warm-up series. You know, we're talking about sweeps, gentlemen sweeps in Rohan's terms, of course. But one series that we know I'm going to have the popcorn ready to go, like every game, <laughs> the Hawks and the Knicks. I have this series going to seven. I'm not going to say who just yet. I want to hear what you guys have to say. And Let's just see what you guys have to say. And then I might change my pick. I don't want to say who I'm picking just yet, but I see a seven-game series. Tom, I agree. This is going to be probably the best series in the East, at least for the first round. Um, I am leaning – I'm with you, too. I'm super undecided, but from what I've seen both these teams throughout the year, I'm leaning Knicks in seven just because I feel like that they have more of that leadership um, from Derrick Rose – Julius Randle is playing like out of his mind. He's just won most improved player of the year yesterday. Um, and I just feel like the Knicks roster-wise, they might be slightly more talented. Uh, I know that the Hawks have Trey Young, DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, which who are all like really solid players. Trey Young is going to be a future superstar if he already isn't now. But I think this game is just going to come down to who, which team can make adjustments down the stretch. And I trust Tom Thibodeau, the Knicks coach, over Nate McMillan, even though Nate McMillan has done a great job so far as the Hawks coach this year. But I think that with the adjustments and also MSJ, uh, sorry, MSG is a uh, home court advantage heaven, you know? So I think that uh, we're going to, I'm going to pick the Knicks in seven. I'm curious to hear what Yash says though. Uh, I'm, I'm torn in this series. I, I just hope that this series goes to seven because 
I want to see Madison Square Garden in a game seven. Like we saw how rocking it was game one with the fans back. I cannot imagine those crazy loyal Nick fans in a game seven. And especially if it goes down to the wire like game one was, that series will be a treat for all of us. And I think Rohan made most of the good points that Trey uh that Trey Young is a future superstar. They have John Collins, they have DeAndre Hunter, Clint Capella. And I do want to point out that Clint Capella is one of the only players in this series that has playoff experience. The Knicks roster and the rest of the Hawks roster are new to the playoffs. So if it comes down to the game sixes, the game sevens, Clint Capella may be the X factor between the Hawks and the Knicks because he has that playoff resiliency that he experienced with those Rockets and Warriors series. So I'm not saying that Clint Capella will be the reason the Hawks win, but I do say that if it goes to game seven, Julius Randle and Clint Capella could be a matchup to watch out for, and my pick is probably going to be the Knicks in seven, but I would not be surprised if the Hawks win as well. Okay, cool, because I was thinking Knicks. I was just like, okay, is one of you guys going to say Hawks and convince me enough to be like, hey, maybe the Hawks do have a chance, but I like what you added there, Yash. Like, It would not be a surprise because when a series goes into seven games, it's, it's anyone's game. You know, and the reason that I think I'm also tilting towards the Knicks is that, you know, Rohan made a great point about Tom Thibodeau. They've made the adjustments throughout the entire season. No one picked this team to make the playoffs, first of all. Um, no one picked the Hawks either, of course. They had, you know, Nate McMillan now a head coach. Little head coaching change over there, too. But ultimately, like, yeah, I like the Knicks more as a team, as a unit. Whereas the Hawks, it's very dependent on you know, John Collins and Trey Young's performance. Um, Clint Capella can definitely have those monster games that he's had throughout the regular season. But again, with Julius Randle on the other side, is he going to allow that to happen? I don't know. And of course, if it does go into seven game series, it's going to go to MSG. So. Yeah. Sean, just one more thing, just to talk about leadership. Um, I know the Knicks don't have much playoff experience, but they do have Derek Rose, who's a former MVP um, he's a seasoned veteran. I think that having Derrick Rose, personally, as a veteran, I would take Derrick Rose over Clint Capella. Um, but uh, I think that just having him in the, the backcourt for the Knicks just brings them to another level too. And I might give them a slight edge in late game situations um, where like decision-making needs to be made. I and mean, you need those players who have that playoff experience. Yeah, absolutely. I think that Yash was specifically saying Clint Capella and playoff experience, but I totally get what you're saying in terms of Derrick Rose as a seasoned veteran and a leader. But speaking of playoff experience and, you know, all these, like, you know, weird rematches like we saw with the Bucks, Heat and stuff, like we got a Trailblazers and Nuggets series going on in the West. Got a lot of veterans there. It's a tied up. Um, personally, I was saying Nuggets in six. And then I saw what Dame did in game one. And I was like, oh boy, you know, like the playoff Dame's here. And game two, too, even though the Nuggets dominated 128 to 109, Dame had 42, 10 assists, and nine threes. So Dame is performing. It's just a matter of that supporting cast stepping up and praying that, you know, MPJ and Jokic don't go crazy. But, um, I think I'm still going to stick with the Nuggets and six. I know that sounds very un unconvincing in my tone right now because Dame is Dame, but what do you guys think? This is another toss-up series for sure. Um, kind of similar to Knicks and Hawks, but in the same way it's different since a lot of these players are more seasoned. Um, honestly, I'm pretty conflicted on this. I, I saw game one and I thought the Blazers had this in the bag. 
then game two happened. Dame dropped 42, which I, I got to say, 32 in the first half. So he wasn't anything special in the second half. Um, but Jokic got it going. MPJ is always a threat to score. So I'm going to say this goes to seven, but I'm going to give uh, the Nuggets. I'm going to say take the Nuggets in seven. I just feel like Portland's inability right now to find Norman Powell is their biggest issue. Ever since the trade happened, I feel like Norman Powell hasn't been that X factor, which we discussed in an earlier podcast that he was supposed to be. I feel like they could have just kept Gary Trent Jr., had that three-guard combo with Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, and Gary Trent Jr., but they decided to go another direction, and I feel like it just hasn't paid off for them as much as it um, can. So I'm going to go Nuggets and seven just because I trust that roster overall more, and I trust Jokic more. You guys are both going with the Nuggets, so I'm going to have to like kind of disagree with you both there. I think the Nuggets, if they were healthy with Jamal Murray, it's it's a pretty easy decision, Nuggets in five or six. But because they don't have their secondary star, Michael Porter Jr.'s in his first season in the besides Jokic and MPJ, don't really trust anyone on the Nuggets down the stretch. I don't trust Aaron Gordon shooting 25. I don't trust Austin Rivers or uh, Compazzo to make clutch buckets. I know last game when the Nuggets dominated, Jokic went off. He shot 75% from the field with 20 shots. And MPJ shot 50% from three. So yeah, they had a great game. And while Dame and CJ went off, the Blazers still lost. But I still think that the Blazers, with all their depth, should be able to pull out this series in maybe six, possibly seven if it goes that far. Just because the... Nuggets are just kind of struggling with their depth and the Blazers should be able to capitalize on that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that um, I'm still going to stick with the Nuggets in six, no matter how unconvincing I sound right now, because, you know, Yashi made great points. Like at the end of the day too, like Dame is Dame. Like, like the dude can go nuclear. Like I think that he is the next closest guard to Steph Curry and that's a big difference between one and two, of course, you know. But um, going back to Rohan's point, too, about Norman Powell, um, I did see that he actually led the NBA this season in corner threes. You know, he was shooting 55% and 51% from each corner. Um, so I think finding him, you know, in those spots is really going to be the key for Portland if they want to stay in this series. Um, once again, if it goes into seven, it can go either way, but... I will say this. I'm still going to stick with Nuggets at six, no matter how many times I've said that already. But but if it does go into a seven-game series, like there's a reason why it went to seven. And it should not have gone to seven. And that gives me a benefit of the doubt to say, hey, maybe Portland is something's brewing over there and that they can get, get away with that series. Yeah, Sean, just real quick. I just want to say that this game, this series, sorry, is going to come down to who can utilize their role players better. And it was just night and day for Portland, um, game one, game two. Carmelo Anthony, I think, had eight, 18 points. 18 points in game one, and he had, I think, five in game two. And Anfrey Simmons had 14 in game one, just wasn't the same in game two. So Norman Powell has been kind of mid-10 and 15. But I think that if Portland can get more help for, for Damon CJ, then I would give them maybe a slight advantage, like I was saying. But I feel like my personal belief is that it's not going to happen just from what I've seen throughout the season for Portland. Absolutely. It just goes back to that point about, you know, Dame having that supporting cast and to get him, get him when the rough gets going type thing. But um, I think that a series that we can talk about a lot more tied one, one as well, the Lakers and the Suns, And this is a 
is very dependent on supporting cast guys. Like, you know, on the Suns, you got Devin Booker, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton. Um, meanwhile, on the Lakers, of course, Anthony Davis and LeBron James are the two names that come to mind. But Andre Drummond is in the mix there, too. I'm going to flat out say it. I had, I have the Suns, not had, sorry. I have the Suns taking the series in seven and I'm still sticking with it. Like I hate, I hate betting against LeBron James. That's the last guy I want to bet against. And the fact that I'm also predicting it to go into seven games, I'm like, am I really going to bet against LeBron in a game seven? And I think that I've finally come to the fact of saying that, Hey, I love Anthony Davis as a player. I love LeBron James as a player, but as a team right now, the Suns just look so damn good. And I know that they lost game two, but it wasn't, it wasn't an ugly loss. It was, it was pretty close. But I have the Suns in seven. You guys take, take the floor away right now. We're, like, where are you guys with this series right now? Uh, Sham, I was, I'm also kind of with you. I would think that this Lakers team is a totally different team than what they were last year, um, regardless of if they've kept the same players or whatever improved through the offseason. They've come uh, come in with injuries to AD and LeBron, who honestly, LeBron still doesn't look 100% to me. He's not getting the bucks that he really needs to. I feel like he's been kind of average in both the games as a score um, first. But AD had a lot better game, even though he had 21 free throws in game two. I am going to say Lakers in six, though, still, because I just it's hard for me to bet against a team who has such little playoff experience other than Chris Paul, who might I say is hurt now which is kind of dampening my hopes of the Suns upsetting series. I'm rooting for the Suns, but I think it's going to be Lakers in six. I think Chris Paul's health is just going to be the X factor in this series right now. And he didn't look great game two. I don't know if you guys watched, but he didn't look great, great game two. And I think if that going forward, as we know, he has an injury history in the playoffs and the regular season. If that uh, injury continues to bother him, the Suns might, run out of gas going down the stretch and just not have it have enough. Um, I'm curious to hear what Yash says though. I think Sham said something interesting a little bit earlier that this series is going to come down to the role players, but I actually think the exact opposite. I think this series will come down to the stars. I think LeBron, AD, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Ayton are the five players to watch in this series. Obviously those are the big five, but we saw in game one, AD was dominated by DeAndre Ayton and the Suns won convincing, convincingly. In the next game, DeAndre, I mean, not DeAndre, Anthony Davis had a great game and the Lakers won convincingly. I just think that this series is going to come down to how well do Anthony Davis and DeAndre Aiden match up? How well does LeBron play? Because I'm in the same boat as Sham. I don't want to bet against LeBron, but we do see a little bit of father time catching up to him. He's not the same LeBron we saw with the Cavs. He's not the same LeBron we even saw last year. So I think if LeBron is truly healthy, and Anthony Davis can, you know, win that uh, Andre Eaton matchup, then the Lakers should be able to win. If not, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and DeAndre Eaton can definitely take this series in six or seven. So I'm kind of conflicted on my pick, but I think the Lakers will take this in six. Dang, you almost had me convinced there. I was like, hey, is Yash going to one-up me and say Suns in six? I was like, that would be bold. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still riding on the Suns at seven. And the reason that I also was tilted to make this pick was because Phoenix had the league's second best record of 25 wins, 12 losses in games that were decided within five points in the last five minutes. So as clutch as, you know, whatever you want to call him, King James, LeBron, you know, the GOAT, as clutch as he is, 
it's just like this team is just as clutch, if that makes sense. Um, and on top of that, too, they also had the league's best road record this season with 24 wins and 12 losses. And guess what? They got two games coming up at Staples Center, you know, in, the, in game three and four. It's right now tied 1-1. I think that they can split 1-1 over there, too, which makes me believe that this is going to a seven-game series, you know. They're going to keep trading off some wins, losses over here. Um, it's going to be good, hopefully, if the Lakers can win a game in Staples Center because we know a team that hasn't won at Staples Center right now is the Clippers. They're down to 0-2. I think <laughs> LA fans are just like, can someone win a game in this building? <laughs> so that's a home, a home team can win a game in this building. But, you know, Clippers are down 0-2. I'm, I'm extremely disappointed right now because I had the Clippers winning in six. And, like, I, I, I don't know. How about you guys get started on this Clippers slander here? I'm just going to sit back <laughs> and relax for a sec. No, Sean, you're totally right. I also had the Clippers in six right before the series started, but it's just been not what you think. it. The Clippers just keep disappointing people. I think that's the bottom line. You keep thinking that this team is going to be something different. Last year, they blamed Doc Rivers not being able to make coaching changes down the stretch, and they said, now we have Ty Lue. Now I'm hearing Clippers fans saying that Ty Lue is the problem, um, and you know they don't have enough help uh, from their role players. Marcus Morris has kind of been a dud both game and game one and game two, and he was pretty um, uh, essential to their team, especially in the regular season and last year in the bubble. I just think that you know Kawhi's had pretty decent games. I know game one he kind of fell off in the fourth quarter, but the whole team did at that point. But I think there's not much more that Kawhi can do, even. Uh, Playoff P, as he calls himself, um, didn't have a terrible game last night. So I don't really know what more this team can do. I just think that Dallas is making, I think they shot 59% or something like that as, as a team from three, which is last night, which is absolutely insane. They're making every shot that they can right now. Tim Hardaway Jr., uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, even Jalen Brunson is making a huge impact for the Mavericks. And they just seem unmatched, um, helping Luka as always to take it. So I'm worried for the Clippers for sure it's just it, this is uh if you're a Clippers fan this is really just heartbreaking every season this team just kind of crushes your soul uh, before I get into like the series I want to kind of yell at the Clippers a little bit you what happened last season and I was in that boat of kind of thinking okay maybe it was the bubble maybe 2020 was just that off season I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt they were down 2-0 to the team that they wanted to play. They tanked the last couple of games of the season so they wouldn't get the Lakers in the first. And now they're down 2-0 to Luka. Of course, Luka has helped, but like Luka is Luka. We'll get to him in a second, but this Clippers team, this Clippers team needs to figure it out for the sake of the rest of their franchise. I genuinely believe that if they lose this series, that Kawhi's gone. Paul George has a chance to leave. Kawhi is a free agent this summer, and if they lose in the first round, I genuinely believe that he's gone. And the Clippers gave up their entire future for Paul George. So that franchise is like in kind of a turning point right here, right now. They need to come back in this series. Or I'm sorry, Clippers fans, but you guys have dark days ahead. And like jumping to the Mavericks just real quick. Damn, that guy Luka is just 22 years old, like 22 years old, and he's averaging 40 in the playoffs against two of the best defenders in the league. I, I just can't fathom how good he's going to be in the next five years. But I think I'm putting it out there that the Mavericks are like low-key dark horse title contenders if they can get past this this Clippers team. 
Well, they're already off to a 2-0 start. So very convincing, very convincing. But um, I think that, you know, what, what you were saying about, like, you know, the offseason coming up, I think that's, that's the bigger storyline in L.A. right now. You know, it's, it's like for the Clippers, rather. It's, it's so, I, like, I really can't put it into words anymore because, you know, as Rohan was saying, your playoff P, like, I'm going to take that up and actually we'll call them pandemic P. That's literally how it's been. And, and I'm like, I'm like, okay, you guys as the Clippers, you guys amaze me during the regular season. And when the playoffs comes, you do everything but amaze me. Literally, like, like Paul George, you should be giving me 30 at least, at least. Kawhi did his part last night scoring 40, but I think the part that really stood out to me as the Clippers team was that they came out of the half and they scored 19 in the third quarter. They were outscored 11 points. It was a 30 to 19 in just the third quarter. So, you know, you can't, you can't let your, you know, I guess, foot off the gas, if that makes sense. You got to keep scoring because clearly their defense is not working right now. Luka is going to keep being Luka. You know, if KP gets going too, Chris Porzingis, of course, he gets going too, like it's, it's going to get ugly. And, you know, if I need to change my prediction right now, like I, I want to say the Clippers in six, but they've not given me anything convincing just yet. But so I want to say like, it's very possible that the Mavs get this done in five possibly the way that things are going it could be Mavs and five. No, Sean, you're definitely right. I think uh, I feel like we all had the Clippers before the series started, but this has just been a complete turn of events. You, you keep wanting to think that this team has it in them. You know, I, I feel like their, their team is a deep roster, but they just can't get, get to the fundamentals down when it comes, when push comes to shove Pat Beverly, um, whenever he gets switched onto Luca, Luca absolutely cooks him. And Luca's kind of playing with that fire, and he's he he wants revenge from last season in the bubble. I feel like he he thinks that he's the best player in this series, which he might quite possibly be. Uh, maybe not right now over Kawhi, but he's acting like it for sure. And I, I think I, I'm also. I, I think he is. Mavs in five or six. Yeah, Yash, go ahead. Uh, I think Luca is the best player in this series, and honestly, it's not close anymore. Maybe two years ago it would have been, but Kawhi just isn't the same player he was in Toronto last year. I think Kawhi is just on that regression, and he, every single year we see like a little bit of like his like defensive prowess go away. Offensively, he's still there, but you saw last night he was playing 40 minutes, and in the fourth quarter he looked gassed. Like there's a reason Kawhi was the guy that started all this load management because he needs the load management and. I'm, I'm, I'm really scared for this Clippers team just because, like, they're probably going to lose the series and the future of this franchise, it's not looking good, guys. Absolutely, yeah. I think that, you know, Kawhi, he's, like, he looked like the superhuman dude, you know, when he went to Toronto one year and won it. And we all were like, like, wow, like, he's still that dude, you know. He stopped, you know, LeBron from getting a three-peat in Miami. And sorry to bring it up. I know you both are Warrior fans, but he stopped, you know, Golden State from getting a three-peat. Like, he was known as that dude. And the fact that he went to clip, like, the Clippers, we were like, oh, like, hey, LeBron, do you have a threat right now? Like, you know, in the city of L.A. But <laughs> no, like, it's, it's, it's just, it's really ugly. And Paul George just signed an extension. If, if Kawhi jumps ship this offseason – it is going to be so ugly, bro. But I think the final series that we want to get to, though, is, of course, the Grizzlies and the Jazz. I really don't know what to make of this series. I'm not going to lie to you guys. Like, I mean, I love sports. I love playoff basketball. But this series is just not, like, as, like, 
appealing to me, if that makes sense. Cause I was mm-hmm. so, I was dying to see golden state here. Like I was hell bent on it. I was like, I was like, okay, you know, maybe if the Warriors lose the Lakers, that's fine, but they'll, they'll beat the Grizzlies again. It's going to be okay. You know, Steph's going to do his thing and he did do his thing, but I think that his team is supporting cast, let him down. It really like with a heavy heart, I say, I'm not a Warriors fan, but with a heavy heart, I say I'm missing out on Steph basketball right now. But, um, you know, Donovan Mitchell will be back for game two. Grizzlies off to a 1-0 start. I have the Jazz taking it in five, now maybe six, because I didn't expect the Grizzlies to jump off to that 1-0 start. What do you guys think? Yeah, uh, Sean Maggie, we're all missing Steph basketball uh, in the playoffs for sure. But this Grizzlies team has heart, as we saw in game one. Um, I know the Jazz didn't have Donovan Mitchell. But the Grizzlies came out super hot, and they basically had it until the very end where they kind of let up a little bit. But I think overall, um, this team, I don't know if I'm going to, I don't know if I'm going to say they're going to do damage, but I think they can give the Jazz a couple of hellbent games, especially if Donovan or one of their uh, other shooters like Jordan Clarkson, Joe Ingles goes cold kind of in, in the, in during the game. So I'm going to still pick the Jazz in five. I would be surprised if this goes to six, but not totally shocked. Um, but I think that the Jazz just have enough shooting and defense um, and are just a better roster overall to hold this this fiery Grizzlies team down. Yeah, I, I think the Jazz should be able to finish this up. And if they don't, I just don't think anyone's going to take the Jazz seriously as a real title contender. I say this because they lost game one by a grand total of three points and they shot 25% from three. Like the Jazz this entire season have been one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league because of their depth. Royal O'Neal, Joe Ingles, Jordan Clarkson, and of course Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell. And yet Jordan Clarkson, just six, who won sixth man of the year, went 0 of 8 from the field. Or 0 of, 0 of 8 from three, my bad. But I just don't think that's going to happen again. They're not going to shoot 25%. They make one more three the entire game. Overtime, they make two more and they win the game. So I'm honestly, if I'm a Jazz fan, I'm not really worried. John Morant, he's gonna do his thing, but as long as you contain Jonas Valanciunas, you have a pretty chance of winning the series in, you know, a gentleman sweep. What about you, Sham? Yeah, yeah, I say that you know, I think that it is possible. You know, like I said, you know, the Jazz in five kind of probably going to stick with that because, you know, Utah should be that team. You know, this is the number one seed. I think that the Suns could have been the number one seed. You know, they had some great games, you know, Utah and Phoenix in the regular season. But um, ultimately, at the end of the day, as a number one seed, you really cannot lose to a bottom seeded team. And especially if it goes to six games, like it's, it's not a good look for you. It shows that, you know, you are you are a vulnerable team down the stretch. Um, I don't think that Utah is a true title contender this year or any of the previous years. They're, they're missing at least one key player because I just don't think that, you know, a washed-up Mike Conley is going to, like, be that third star alongside Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. Is he, but, is he um, really washed up if he was an all-star this year, though? See, he was okay. He wasn't like that type of all star, though. You know, you realize that he was like one of those reserve people, right? Like, no, I, I get like, it. He was a replacement, yeah, but he was still an all star. I feel okay, no, but I also feel like Mike Conley's appearance in the all star game was like a, like a, um, I don't know, it was kind of an ask to get him into that three point contest, which was entertaining, but as an all star, like 
player, like it was like, oh, he's never like he's not been to the all-star or something like that. Yeah. Like he, he was never an all-star in his entire yeah, career. Yeah. So I think, I think it was a bittersweet moment for the NBA to be like, Hey, like who's not an all-star out there that should deserve being an all-star. And they were like, I right, let's put this guy in. He was like, like the third choice. I think after like three or four other guys on team Durant got injured or something happened, they decided not to make it COVID-19 protocols, whatever it was. So sure. I guess at the end of the day, he's an all-star, but it's it's the bottom of the pit of all stars. If that I mean that that's not an, not an all star is an all star. Not, not not to slander Mike Conley, but you know I'm much more convinced of Jordan Clarkson and Joe Ingles as being those you know go to guys um, down the stretch. And I think that they need to find a way to get Jordan Clarkson perhaps more minutes. He just did win Six Man of the Year, and with you know with good reason too. You know the dude is a bucket. He can go off at any given moment. Um, obviously I think that when Donovan Mitchell's on the floor, that's, he's not going to be the top option. Same thing with, uh, Bojan Bogdanovich, great player as well. So, you know, this series, it should get wrapped up in five games. I would be surprised for it to go to six and seven, not a good look for the jazz at all. Um, I think that the jazz have a second round exit waiting for them. So this series has really just not been like that entertaining for even the Grizzlies, even if they do make it to the second round. I don't think that they're making it past there, whoever they play. But um, I think that, that that's a wrap on our predictions for the most part, unless you guys have anything you want to add. What's Okay, how about this? What's your most exciting series in the first round that you're, like, very entertained by right now? Definitely uh, Lakers and Suns uh, in the West. I think East is kind of Knicks and Hawks, but I think I would definitely just choose Lakers-Suns just because of the star power there. I think it's going to be the Knicks and Hawks for me. It's it's one of those series that's so evenly balanced without a superstar. I'm just excited to see who's going to step up because someone has to step up. Is it going to be Julius Randle? Is it going to be Trey Young? Is it going to be anyone else? We're going to see a new playoff hero on either one of these teams, and I'm excited to see who it is. The playoffs are when superstars are born, and you know, there's nothing more exciting than a young superstar. Yeah, this is like what Rohan was saying about Trey Young. If he's not a superstar already, it's in the works. So um, I think, I think I'm going to, I'm going to second Yash's uh, vote over there for the East, at least Knicks and Hawks. I think that we all are on board for the West is Lakers Suns for the most part, the most entertaining series, but you know, I might say Mavs and Clippers could be pretty entertaining despite the fact that the Clippers, <laughs> if they don't really, yeah. Even if the Clippers really don't win too much, like I think it's just going to be so entertaining to be like that Clipper slanders coming, you know? <laughs> So that's all that we got for you guys today. Stay tuned for more at thefanalist.live on Instagram for the latest NFL NBA news. Of course, the NBA content is going to be nonstop here and out. Consistent podcast coming out. Signing off for you, Sean Ramachandran, joined by Rohan Naranjan and Yash Doshi.